Hello, everyone. My name is Teresa Holmesy, and you're listening to the special Earth Week podcast series where we talk sustainability. I'm joined here today with Dr. Matthew Leish to discuss environmental sustainability. Dr. Leish, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Teresa? I'm good. I'm excited to have you here, and I'm excited to kind of dive into what we're talking about, um, and we're going to continue talking about throughout this entire week. So, um, I guess could you could we let's start with some introductions. Um, kind of, what's your background? Um, what do you do? Who do you are? I've been at CMU for uh, ten years now, and I am a, a professor of geography, uh, department chair of geography and environmental studies in Dow Science Building on campus. And um, I've always been interested in how humans interact with environment and how, how we shape the environment and also how the environment uh, shapes us. Right. Well, um, something that I've been asking everyone, all of my guests so far is, what does sustainability mean to you? So that's, that's my first question. Yeah, for me, sustainability, my own kind of definition of it is, uh, using resources carefully and thoughtfully so that way those resources uh, and uh, and resources very broadly defined uh, are there for future generations for an indefinite period of time. And so for me, then sustainability is, um, is you know, mainly an ethic of how we try to live our lives and none of us live our lives perfectly sustainably. It's just something that you know, I see it as a, um, a goal to strive for uh, with what we can do. Yeah, that's something that I've heard um, unrelated to this series. I've heard people talk about how it's not something that we've yet achieved, um, but it's a goal. And so um, I've never heard it be described as an ethic before. And that's a very insightful perspective that I'm, I've noted here. Um, so what originally got you involved in sustainability and how did you sort of get to where you are today? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't have one watershed moment of thinking, hey, I was trying to be involved in sustainability like it was some sort of new trend, but rather uh, I suppose it was part of the um, educational system growing up when you hear about um, you know, hear about recycling, hear about uh, less impactful ways of commuting to work, uh, hear about different ways you can, um, you know, grow your own food and, and other things. Um, so there wasn't really one watershed moment as much as it is probably the result of a wide variety of communications over the years. And, um, and then thinking about, you know, what the earth looks like for future generations. Where are you originally from? Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. Probably, probably the easiest way for um, podcast listeners to have a general sense of where I'm from is uh, probably about uh, 90 miles uh, north and northwest of Chicago. And uh, I grew up in a, a rural, um, grew up in a rural farming community, but had lived in a variety of different places um, over the years. Usually, when people talk about like how they got involved in something, oftentimes it connects back to where they grew up and the environment that they were brought up in and what the things that they sort of noticed. So I was wondering if you kind of see that in yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think growing up, paying attention, you know, like my first job ever was on a farm. So paying attention to soils, paying attention, you'd see after a spring rainfall, you know, see topsoil that 
roads away has you thinking about soil conservation and sustainability of the soil. Um, growing up, spending a lot of time near lakes and forests and seeing forests that have been logged over in the early 20th century now have you know, trees that are 80 to 90 years old in many cases, while well seeing some trees that hadn't been logged over. Um, going on a walk and making those kinds of observations about forest cover change uh, really helps, you, at, least, at least helped me growing up, think about uh, how the human role in shaping forests uh, is. And I mentioned lakes, similarly just how, you know, thinking about, I've always enjoyed thinking about the ways in which we organize our landscapes, whether it's of our yards, whether it's of a park, and how parks are managed, but also how the shorelines of lakes uh, can appear uh, as far as to what extent there's uh, wildlife habitat or, or not. And, um, and so just thinking about the cultural role in shaping these landscapes, to me is something I always found interesting when being out in a boat and, or being out in the water and then, and seeing like, well, that there's obviously different outcomes when it comes to see, you know, you're watching a uh, watching loons or an eagle and where, you know, where are they going to seek out fish? Where are they living? And seeing how there's big differences from one uh, um, riparian, really shorefront uh, environment or space to another space. And so seeing the role of human decision-making um, to me, it was just always kind of making observations growing up and in, in these in different places that I was in and kind of seeing the good, the bad and the ugly that way. Every time that I have um, spoken with you, you always bring up going on walks. Um, and so I've just, it's just something I've noticed. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, would you say that going on walks is something that is just has been a consistent thing throughout your life? And it has, you know, it's a time for thinking and it's informed a lot of your decisions and your outlooks on the world. Uh, I guess I never really had thought, hey, I, I really make these you know, decisions, Alex, in the world by going for walks. But for me, I've always been an observer, whether it's of landscapes, observer of human behavior. And so I think going out and being outside um, is, is a great way of, of having the time and the uh, space to go and, and you know, make kind of observations about how humans structure their landscapes and places uh, from, a, from a spatial standpoint, why are some things where they are? Why are other things not where they are? And then, so there's a lot of interesting questions about human environment interactions and the topic of today's sustainability that come through, you know, going on a walk and seeing how in some parts of the United States, uh, you find neighborhoods where uh, compost bins or compost piles are the norm. And you know, it's almost as if it's a peer pressure effect If one person has a compost bin, other per people learn about it, and other people then turn around and get that in the same neighborhood. Or there's some neighborhoods where solar panels are very common, whereas there's other communities where you don't see them at all. Uh, bike racks and forms of bicycle commuting. Um, you find that there's a lot of interesting geographic uh, differences with regard to um, some of the uh, decision-making we make with environment. That's something that's easier to note on a walk, uh, you know, at a slow pace versus if I'm making observations when I'm driving down, you know, an interstate, but it's just that there, you don't have as much time to focus on details the same way. I wasn't trying to make a walk any like super important, like super, like a, sometimes a walk is just a walk, but it's just something that I've, I've noticed the theme that comes up with you. And so um, I was wondering, you know, the outside element is probably important. So um, to kind of bring things back, um, I invited you to represent sort of environmental sustainability. Um, and through the week, I'm inviting different people who represent, you know, different types of sustainability. So 
Um, what does that distinction mean uh, between, you know, just sustainability and environmental sustainability? Why, why do we make those sort of distinctions? That's a, that's a good uh, observation. Um, oftentimes, I think when the general public thinks of sustainability, I think at least the general public in much of, but not the United States, might just think about environmental sustainability and equate that with sustainability in general. But um, as you allude to, there's different forms of, of sustainability. And while you can look at sustainability as a whole, sometimes we find it's easier to break things down in you knowing that they're interconnected, but break things down into different smaller parts. So you might have someone who is really interested in cultural sustainability or economic sustainability of how do you, you know, keep an economy or what's local or global going. Um, you know, for a longer term time span than just the short run. So, I mean, all these different forms of sustainability involve thinking about longer term horizons. But um, I think it's just, it's, it's useful to think about, uh, you know, environmental sustainability uh, as a concept it, by itself, some cases, in other cases, it's useful to think about it in tandem for like thinking about the whole system overall, um, cultural sustainability, economic sustainability, et cetera. And those things often overlap too, um, yes. you know. So that's something that as we're trying to bring through um, in this series. This it's a mini series; it's only five episodes, but um, that's like a a, a a huge portion of kind of the message. So um, just they how they overlap. I see you shaking your head. So if you have anything to say, I mean, yeah, no, I, I think that that makes perfect sense. Um, it's a case where every single thing that we could possibly study, we can try to study in isolation, but then we have to recognize how things are connected. And it's kind of like if we took a, um, say if you took a history class, we could go and study, here's uh, post-Civil War history of the United States, but then it's like, sure, you can just study that in a three-credit class, but you have to know that things are still connected, that what happened you know, prior to that time, what happened outside the geographic area that's being studied is going to you know, inter you know, interface with that. So. There's pros and cons to looking, I think, at any kind of subset of sustainability and isolation by itself, just given the connections that you point out. It's also difficult to look at it holistically as well, because um, yeah. that can be a little bit too broad and a little bit too vague. Um, so, you know, with environmental sustainability, um, generally speaking, you know, I would agree with you. That's what most people think sustainability is. You know, they think um, reduce, reuse, recycle. They think, um, you know, wind turbines, solar energy. But, um, you know, that's kind of what sustainability is. It's this kind of um, little ideal utopia world where everyone's like riding bikes everywhere. Um, and so I guess uh, when we make those kinds of assumptions about what sustainability means, um, is there anything, any sort of, I guess I just use the word assumptions. I was trying not to use the same word, but are there, when we think of yeah. sustainability in that way, um, what sort of assumptions that we make about that can be misplaced? I guess to me, one of the biggest things I'd want to point out with assumptions and sustainability is we oftentimes find it easy to focus on specific kind of hot topics within sustainability. Some certain, certain things are flashpoints uh, and they're useful to, to look at and to galvanize support for more sustainable measures. Um, whether it's about resource use, I know like recycling is always a, kind of a hot topic that way. Um, 
but there's also a lot of things that I think fly under the radar with regard to sustainability that um, that don't get emphasized as much because we focus on certain things. So to me, I guess I, I really see one of the goals for sustainability in the future is to you know be able to look at, at uh, resource use in a holistic sense, what we use, what we need to use, and um, and and, and just look at everything overall that way. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that um, your sort of focus when it comes to the environment is about human impact on the environment. And something that I've noticed when we talk about sustainability um, as just kind of recycling, that's, um, it's always, it's always recycling for me. That's just what I've seen. Everyone always recycling is the first thing that comes to mind um, as far as yeah. associating it with sustainability. But um is the there's kind of a distancing between the environment and the human um is that something that you've noticed you know from your work and your research just on public perceptions here yeah definitely and that's something that uh, my students and i've been discussing this semester in envy 350 foundations of environmental thought uh, class where some of our readings take a look at this kind of false dichotomy between the human world the natural world that we'd say, hey, nature's out there, nature's at this park. Nature is, you know, some of those grand scenes we see on an old school wall calendar where month by month there's a picture of mountains or beaches or rainbows or whatever else. But like nature is in, you know, is in our yard. So there's natural processes in our yards. It's a much, is incredibly heavily disturbed ecosystem in general. But um, one of the the uh, one of the bigger critiques about um, how environmentalists, the environmental movement sometimes sees nature in the past it was in the 1990s, more scholars were saying, hey, let's not just look at, at these uh, you know, wild spaces as far as the priorities for preservation. Yes, we need to do that. We also need to look at how we're living our lives in places like you know, central Michigan or, or elsewhere. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis because there's a lot of environmental impacts to how we structure our lawns, how we commute, et cetera. Yeah. And that's something that my students have, um, have found um, very interesting to discuss this semester in E&B 350 as well, because, um, you know, it just kind of shapes, it, it doesn't tell students what to think, it's more just it shapes how we think about uh, the environments in ways that we may have not thought about before. And that we do traditionally, oftentimes in kind of Western environmental thought, have this distinction between the human world and the natural world. As an environmental stu uh, studies student myself, um, I remember when I first learned of nature as a social construct. That was very, um, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like mind blowing, but um, it did shift a lot of things into perspective. Um, and unfortunately, um, at least from what I've seen, that's not that's limited to those kinds of classroom settings. And so, how do you think is the best way to get those sort of conversations on the in the public discourse in the public eye, where more people are able to engage with this sort of material? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of kind of smaller conversations that happen here and there. Um, I don't think in general it's, uh, especially, I don't think, it, I think oftentimes it's easier to have some of these smaller conversations incrementally than to say, hey, yeah, you need to be more sustainable. Well, that's the people, that, that the message might be well-intentioned, but it won't necessarily um, it, it, you say, hey, you have to do, you know, these 50 things right off the bat. That might not be as as fruitful as, um, you know, doing a bit here, you know, here and there to say, 
you know, for example, like Isabella County Conservation District, they have native, you know, tree sales. Um, that's one of an ensemble of many, many different things that we can, uh, that uh, as, you know, community in Mount Pleasant and in Central Michigan that people are using, having more, you know, plantings that are, that are well adjusted to the climate, the soils, uh, growing seasons um, of, of uh, you know, Central Michigan. Um, and so that, that's only one thing. That's a microcosm of all these other ways in which we think about uh, conservation efforts uh, at home. And in addition to some of these iconic, uh, you know, uh, kind of case studies or things that come to mind when it comes to uh, environmental sustainability efforts. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's a process and probably never ending process, but it's a process. And uh, there's a lot of, I think, room for a wide variety of conversations. Yeah that list that you're talking about, um, Eric and I um, and Lindsay from facilities have been, um, facility management have made a, like a pledge, a sustainability pledge where people can pledge, um, you know, I will like you know, use less water, you know, the, that, that list that you're talking about was the 50 things. Um, and so I don't want to be critical of my own project here, but um, I, I see what you're saying in that, that by itself isn't very, um, I guess it's not really informing um, people on kind of the root, you know, the, the, it's like the tip of the iceberg, you know, it's bigger underwater. Um, and so um, that's, that's interesting. Um, and it's making me think of that, that pledge that we just released here. So. And I, I do think like a, a list like that pledge is very comprehensive and really I haven't seen that pledge. So I wasn't even referring to that specifically. Um, but, uh, it's a case where even that 50 things it's, that's great in the sense it's more than just, you know, than just couple of iconic things um, like recycling or, or something else. We obviously want to, you know, there, there's room for more recycling in the United States, but um, it's when you think about all our different interactions with the environment uh, between the resources we use, uh, between how we organize our living spaces, both interior and then our landscapes outside. Uh, and, you know, you could, I mean, you really could make a list of 500 things probably, um, but, uh, it, to me, what's I think it's important to keep in mind is the communication style of how do we get if people want to have more sustainability, more efforts for sustainability, uh, how can we in a positive way get more people to buy into those uh, those goals? So I think communication strategies are uh, being reflexive about it is very important in trying to um, popularize uh, you know uh, environmental sustainability efforts. Mm -hmm. Along, along this line, um, I guess, who do we need to get involved in sustainability? I would say anybody and everybody. Certainly there's, uh, you know, there's different messages for different people. Again, going back to the role of uh, communication, um, you know, seeing it as an ethic. Well, there's certainly there's definitely needs to be room for policy and large scale management. There's also room for uh, individual decision making about the the environment, especially to say, because you could have the, the world's most well-crafted policy, but if it's still not going to have people buying into it, you know, from an ethics standpoint, the policy won't necessarily be upheld, you know, on an individual basis. So um, while there's room for, for policy and management, it just, I think there's a, always going to be kind of an educational role, uh, whether it's at CMU, K-12, or just informal educating we do when we talk with our neighbors and friends about 
um, you know, uh, different forms of environmental trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully this podcast can be just another one of those, um, I guess, more informal um, sorts of communication that we have. Um, I guess to sort of wrap up, um, I just wanted to ask you if you have any sort of final thoughts or things that you'd want to add to this conversation. Yeah, I'm trying to think with probably a lot of uh, students at CMU listening to this. I think it's, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of future leaders listening uh, to this podcast and um, over the course of your lives and careers, there's gonna be a lot of, there's no shortage of environmental decisions that get made. Um, and with that, uh, there's always, you know, you see sustainability as um, a process you're trying to get to that I'll never know if be fully achieved because we all use, you know, environmental resources. We all have human needs and wants and, and, and with that, just tr- but just trying to look at sustainability in a broad sense, ask what's going on, like both locally and globally. It almost sounds cliche to say local and global, but um, just as we need conser- you know, conservation of biodiversity hotspots, we also need conservation efforts right around our uh, communities for with sustainability in mind. And I think it's going to be one of the um, kind of the big picture lasting issues uh, for you know, uh, generations of, you know, current and future CMU students as we're changing environments, as we're changing climates, as we're changing uh, soils, and uh, you could go right on down the list, changing landscapes. Um, how do we become more sustainable and more resilient? I think resiliency is a buzzword that will be increasingly becoming a buzzword over the next generation, as we've seen that we are changing, you know, environments in different ways. Um, this is this will be a challenge for um, current CMU uh, students, when you know, both currently at CMU and then in the future. And so thinking kind of broadly and holistically about the impacts that our decisions make uh, will help us, you know, lead to a more sustainable future than, say, the alternative of not doing anything. Yeah. To um, people who are listening, I guess, um, where would you recommend they start? Just diving into this. Yeah, I'd one of the best ways I think is to uh, start having conversations and start, I think sometimes if we, I'm always big into um, getting people to kind of question their assumptions, uh, you know, about the world. As I see that part of my role as an educator where I don't, I'm not trying to tell people what to think. I'm just trying to tell them, you know, like I just want to get people to think. And so for me, it's always just outside of even sustainability, just good to be, get people to be reflexive by that. I mean, um, question what we think uh, our assumptions are. And so some of that can involve even just like looking around, um, you know, our homes, our yards, our, the way in which we pay, you know, we look at our bills, what, what are we paying for in certain ways? And I think that, you know, helps question assumptions like, well, do I you know, really need the lights on at this time? Or do you really need to, you know, drive when you were going six blocks away, you know, that kind of thing. And you could walk or, or take a bike or something else. So um, I think just questioning our assumptions about stuff with a mind towards you know education, um, and I think that's that's part of the role of having you know sustainability within uh, curriculum, the K twelve level and college level, as well as um, you know different forms of uh, you know outreach in community. 
questioning your assumptions sounds like a good activity to do while on a walk. Um, so just to bring that, that full circle here, um, I guess final question here. Um, this is just something that I've been asking all my guests so far um, to get a good, a good summary of the conversation. What are some main takeaways um, you know, if we're to summarize this whole thing that we've done, um, main takeaways, what would you say they were? Main takeaways, think broadly and holistically about sustainability, as well as, you know, today's topic or this podcast topic of uh, environmental sustainability, but there are obviously other forms of sustainability, such as cultural sustainability, um, and recognize that while we all may have a slightly different personal definition of sustainability, where you know, trying to, part of it is trying to see how you can serve resources in the short run so that way future generations um, of people, plants, animals, et cetera, can all uh, have uh, those resources uh, available. And uh, I think that there's this large role for education, questioning, assumptions, uh, thinking, and learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time <clears throat> and your insights and your perspectives. Um, something that I was always unsure of how to sign off on these, um, but when, when my last um, podcast, we I've come to a, a, an idea, and that idea is just a reminder that um, you know it's cliche, but it still needs to be said. Um, every day is Earth Day, so that's kind of how we're we're ending these. Um, on that note, every day is Earth Day, and um, unless you disagree, but if you disagree, I'd love no. to hear. I totally agree. I think Earth Day ethic is probably best thought of as something that is every day rather than like an event or a holiday, because then, uh, it, you know, thinking of that as a one-off event annually in late April, then what are we doing the rest of the year? Uh, and much the same way that um, if you separate the concept of humans from the concept of, of nature, entirely nature is out there. Nature isn't the songbirds in a backyard or nature isn't the tree growing in the yard. Um, you know, if you just say, hey, nature is somewhere else. I think, I think these kind of um, keeping things separate, a lot of scholars have argued, well, it leads to some false, you know, dichotomies that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Earth so. Day is every day, in a sense. Earth Day is every day, yes. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Teresa. Mm-hmm.